to Hashtag Single with Jeanette Bonner. I am not a relationship expert or sex therapist. I'm just a regular New York City woman navigating the world as a single, independent feminist. Hashtag Single is about having honest conversations with other singles in today's device-obsessed culture. So I hope you'll join me on this interesting, challenging, and complex journey as we navigate the ins and outs of singledom. Hashtag single. I'm Jeanette, your host, and I'm so excited to bring you a brand new one-on-one episode where I talk to a lovely, important, fabulous single female. Someone I met um, on the internet. Yet another wonderful stranger whose singleness is... <laughs> Rachel just responded uh, to a post from I was like, hey, are you single? Do you want to talk about it? Uh, I believe on Facebook. So, Rachel, thank you so much for saying yes and coming on Hashtag Single. Absolutely. I love to talk about single life. Girl, me too. And then Rachel, <laughs> Rachel brought her friend Andrew. Andrew or Andy? What do you prefer? Oh, Andrew would be nice. And Andrew. And uh, I think I'm, this is the point where I'm supposed to ask you guys how you know each other. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so he actually saved my life in an mm. African safari. Mm, so true. Um, oh. He is a hero. Mm-hmm. And all women that, if you are located in our city, I'll leave that up to you, Andrew, if you want to share where that is. Mm. He is a very eligible bachelor. So. Mm. And he saves lives. And then I would like to hear Andrew's version of how you know each other. We met on Bumble. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, my listening oh, audience, you can, you can choose <laughs> which story you like the best. I still am unclear entirely, but, you know, some mysteries are best left unsolved, don't you guys think? Mm. Mm-hmm. So, somehow they know each other. It could be dirty. It could be, like, I don't know, they bumped into each other at the post office. We don't really know, and it doesn't really matter. So, we're here to talk about Rachel. Andrew, you know the rules of hashtag single. You are going to sit back and listen like a gentleman. And then uh, we'll check in with you when we are in need of your opinion. How's that sound? Sounds great. (laughs) Great. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just love this. (laughs) I'm glad you do. I'm glad it tickles you. I'm so glad you're here and I'm so glad we're talking. Rachel. But you know how this this whole thing begins. Give me a little backstory. Let me know uh, about you, like whatever information you feel we would like to know in order to set you up on, on how you are single at this very moment in your life. Okay, so um, dating-wise, I had one boyfriend in high school. I really... I don't really have crushes on people very often. Um, When I went to university, my first semester, I went to BYU-Idaho. I stepped on campus and I thought to myself, wow, there's so much to learn, so much to explore. I'm excited to be here to further my education. I don't even want to talk to boys. Um, And lo and behold, I met my ex-husband at the gym. He approached me and we, we dated for eight months and then got married. We moved to China three weeks after our, um, not annulment, that's the opposite of marriage. We moved to China after three weeks of of being married. We lived there for a year, and we were married for five and a half years. I left him and then moved to China, where I had like one boyfriend and one girlfriend, and 
really just didn't enjoy the dating scene over there. And now I've moved back to the U.S. I've been here for a month. So, whoa. Okay. I don't think I even knew that because you and I were messaging over the summer. So at that point you were still in China. Yes. You know what? That does ring bell. I remember you saying that you were international, but I thought I just assumed you were like on an extended vacation. Or something. <laughs> no, that's I wild. Um, I have so many questions. So first of all, <laughs> first of all, how does someone, how does someone approach someone at a gym that so, makes you not hate them immediately? I know. Yes. So <laughs> it was, it was an, it was an LDS college. So Mormon BYU is um, a religious school. So the gym. What does LDS campus, stand for? Sorry. To it stands you. for Latter-day Saints. The full oh, name of the church okay. is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So it was actually a very safe gym. I was working out with my roommate. We were doing abs. And the way he tells the story is he was with his roommate. He was like, dude, check if she has a ring. I don't want to, like, approach her. And then he told his roommate in Spanish, like, do not let me leave this gym without asking her on a date. So my roommate <laughs> and I walked out and he stopped us. He's like, hey, how are you guys doing? Like, we chatted for a little bit. He was really talking to my roommate at first. And so I was like, he's going to ask out my clever. roommate. Very clever. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. And then he said... He turned to me and he's like, I think you're super cute. I would like to ask you out. And I was like, that's kind of weird. I don't know you. And he said, you're right. How else would you suggest that I do it? I've never seen you before and I'll probably never see you again. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Okay. And he was really attractive. So I was like, all right, fine. We'll give it a try. So that's how. That was actually quite respectful. I mean, I would just be mortified because I'd be like, oh, my. I'm like. Literally, I don't have any makeup on and my face is bright red. And this is not how I ever want to be talked to. Um, But good for him for doing that in a very, very respectful way. Although, wait, I have a question about something you said. You said, check to see if she has a ring. Are people at that college coming in engaged or and or already married? Sometimes um, it's actually that's pretty young. Yeah, so it's not uncommon for people to get married in university times. It's actually like, I don't know what the word is, but it's kind of an ongoing joke that BYU-Idaho stands for BYU-I do, simply because it is very common for people to go there wanting to find their mate. And so getting married at a pretty young age is fairly common at that school. That's, um, I hope this doesn't offend you in any way, but I find that a little old-fashioned, in, yeah. in, in the idea of going to school in order to find a husband, it's very 1950s, mid-century <laughs> to me. In some ways, yes. And in some ways, it's it's actually just very much a cultural thing. Sex before marriage isn't something that's practiced in that religion. And so I think in combination with that, as well as a real focus in the religion of the importance of family, the importance of building that, um, it tends to happen at a younger age. Yeah. I hear that. Can I ask a follow-up question? Yeah. Just because this makes me curious based on other conversations I've had from people on the podcast that do come from um, a Christian and a religious background, is there any shame affiliated with not finding a potential mate or husband after graduation or by graduation then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for some people, there is. For some people, there's not. I really think it's a family thing as well as a personal preference. Like if I would have gone there and not gotten married, it totally would have been a not big deal because I was so focused on my education anyways. Right. 
And I didn't want to be like a stay at home mom or anything like that. That was never really my focus. If there was someone that, you know, had that desire, you know, I just want to get married and have kids and they didn't find someone, my guess is that it would be a little bit more frustrating. But I think it, it really just depends on the person. And and women are very much encouraged to, you know, get an education, further your education, like get set up so that you can really like I think this is my personal opinion is like nurture your children in the best way possible. Be an example to them of, you know, a woman that gets her education. And then if you do decide to stay home with them, all power to you. Um, But the most important focus is right on like furthering your your education. And like so it's kind of contradictory in some ways of like get married, have children, have a family and also like further your education. But I think as um, a collective, the religion is certainly moving more towards like get your education and make a decision of how you want to like live your life. Well, it's an interesting, I love obviously furthering education, but it's an interesting approach. Whereas like, I feel like, especially in some very career focused areas, like, like the East Coast and New England and where I went to school, it's like, get your education in order to maybe get further education or to get the best Mm -hmm. job possible. Mm -hmm. But um, it's interesting to me, the idea of like, get your education so that you are then able to, uh, and correct me if I'm interpreting this incorrectly, but pass that education on to your children in the best way so that you can best Mm -hmm. nurture and raise a family. Yeah, and I think that that's just comes from the traditional like gender roles that are normally stressed in the church is that like women are the primary nurturers of children, which I don't necessarily agree with. Um, I think that both people need to be actively co-parenting and it's just bullshit if it's not that way. 100%. But for some people, you know, they're able to work it out that way. But yeah, it is like... And I think it's it's true for that, for men and for women. Like if you are more educated, whether it be a formal education or a trade school or the school of life, like let's be real. There's so much room for that is being an example to your your children if you want children yeah. or, or the people that, you know, you mentor and nurture in general of always be, just being a lifelong learner. I think that's a really important value to have. But there's not any real shame as far as you know if you like don't decide to have children or if you decide to pursue a career it's sort of a pro I mean in terms situation. of kids there would definitely be pressure mm-hmm. I just choose to decide like I don't give a fuck if you're in my business and you're asking me why I haven't had like gotten married it's like well I was married for five years do you have someone I that, did the damn thing get off my back do you have someone <laughs> that you'd be interested in introducing me to because if not then we don't need to be having this conversation it's yes. none of your business <laughs> A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, that's so, that's so intriguing. And thank you for going off that, that tangent. I'm just like, um, I don't know anyone that's a member of the church of Latter-day Saints. And so it's really interesting to get your perspective mm-hmm. on, um, the standards and the values that are expected for young women today. Um, so, but back to you, cause you have a fascinating story. Mm-hmm. How did you end up in China? <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, the first time my ex-husband just wanted to learn Chinese and I was like, okay. Wait, so you just, you guys just like went on a lark? Yeah, basically. (laughs) Wow. I I have an adventurous spirit. And so I was like, yeah, I mean, why not? Let's seize the day. Like you want to learn Chinese. I can do school online. We can teach, we can earn, like save some money while we're over there. And so I was like all for it. 
Um, but it actually, it really, like, China is not the place that you want to spend your first year of marriage. It was really difficult. And I think it set up the foundation for the marriage to, to honestly, to not be successful. I think we might still be married today had we not had that experience. But that's neither here nor there. I'm super happy with how things turned out for me and for him. Um but yeah, so that was the first time. And then the second time, it was like I was ready to leave. And so I, we signed divorce papers on my birthday, actually. Um, it must have been like three and a half years ago, something like that. I don't remember. And then I told him, I was like, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna move to China. I was ready for a fresh start is really what it was. And I was like, I want to leave absolutely everything behind. Where can I go that will allow me to do that. And I had been to China before. I had one friend that was living in Shanghai. And so I messaged her on Facebook. I was like, hey, you should give me a job. So she did. And then oh I God. moved over there and started over. Did you go back to the same province that no. you were at with your... Okay. I was, no. I was going to say, I was like, <laughs> well, fresh start, but also... like I know. Places. I did go back and revisit it, the town that we lived in, um, and, and visited some of our like family, like our Chinese family that we had when we were there. So I was kind of able to rewrite it from that fresh place, but I didn't want to live there. No, it was hell living there, so... So you were there. You said you lived there as a single person and you did try to date when you were there. I did. I went on dates. Okay. Um, and for the first year that I was there, it, I, it was like honestly just like rebound central. <laughs> Learning what I liked and just going on like dates and having it be very casual. And then eventually it was like, you know what, I which I knew all along, like this is not for me. This is not who I am or how I like to, to live my dating life. So eventually after I got my shenanigans out, then I was like, you know what, we're I'm going to start focusing on like finding a partner like that. Let's. A serious, monogamous, committed relationship, not necessarily like a long-term partner, maybe, maybe not, but that wasn't really my focus. So I started looking for more serious people, and turns out Shanghai is a very transient city. People are very career-focused. Sex is cheap and easy over there, and so oh. finding someone that was really like invested in having more of a monogamous relationship was was quite a challenge especially for someone like me that has standards I don't want to sleep with someone that I don't know and so I think that was a deterrent for a lot of people as well um since they could just go and find someone and get their wiggles out and not like really need to have that emotional connection first which is something I'm not available for so that's that's so interesting I, I never really considered, so let's just like broaden the scope a little bit. Like Shanghai is a very uh, international city in terms mm -hmm. of commerce and business, yeah? So mm -hmm. I guess you could kind of, if you wanted to like marry that analogy, you would kind of say that city in America would be New York City. And the yeah, idea that's the that, best comparison. that one city in an entire country would be like the worst place to date is like it's like the the mushy part of the apple you know like uh I don't know like you're like here I am world I'm single but you end up in like literally the worst city that you could possibly be in I love that to try to experience new dates I don't know maybe it was a good experience for you because you were able to test out new things and try on this new persona for you yeah did you did you think it was like your takeaway now looking back on it? Was it a good experience or do you think that it it wasn't the best city for you to be in as a single person? 
you know, as a single person, it wasn't the best place to be in. I wasn't able to find like that partner and that love. But also as a single person, I was able to really solidify my values and my standards. And, you know, over there is it, it, I was surrounded by a group of women that are so powerful and so wonderful, so smart, so entrepreneurial and a lot of men that are in the similar situation, but we're kind of douchebags a lot of the time. And so me watching some girls, some women settle for completely inappropriate treatment from men and also like me having an opportunity to just say like, you know what, that's really not what I want. I would rather be single than have to deal with you. And so learning that space and coming back into like Colorado Springs, the way that I carry myself, the way that I feel I deserve to be treated, the way that I'm willing, you know, to treat other people and also to communicate my boundaries and my standards is very high and very strict. Like I have a very clear idea of what it is that I desire in a partner. Um, And so kind of from that place. Yeah, I think it was an amazing time because now I know what I want and I'm able to identify red flags very quickly into the relationship. Not red flags always as in the guy's a total asshole, but just like this may not be a right fit. And then to be able to say like, yeah, I think you're a great person or whatever, but this probably isn't going to go the direction that I want because I I saw so many red flags and like identifying those behaviors. It's just like, okay. Great. I can nip it in the bud before it becomes something. Yeah. I I mean, I think you're really lucky and I feel like I'm in a place where I can do that as well. And I think I'm really lucky to be able to be in that place. I'm realizing in, in conversations I have with women that not everybody is able to get to that place where of, of self-confidence mm-hmm. and of fully, fully knowing yourself and the strength and the bravery it takes to actually say, I'm going to say no until I am able to say yes. Like I would rather choose singledom uh, of these low value Mm -hmm. people who are not meeting my standards than just take someone who like maybe might work out. I'm going to like put binders on and forget that this happened and go forward. You know, I, um, I had this date on Sunday and I, uh, it was so bad. It was so bad. Um, and I, so this conversation is very active with me and my friends right now where he just like, he wasn't a bad person. He just exhibited some behaviors that for me were like immediate no's mm-hmm. <laughs> like because he monopolized the conversation. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And don't do that. <laughs> I don't mind being a listener. Like he, I had, I encouraged him in that path because I had asked him a lot of questions about his job to begin with. And then he sort of like, I think he thought I was just so fascinated by his job. He kept talking about his job um, to the point where I was like, Oh, you know what? Actually I'm no longer interested. Yeah. And then, and so I kind of, um, he did finally pick up on the, the cue to change the conversation around. And he asked me, I had been at a film festival on the weekend and he asked me how it was. And I started answering and he picked up his phone and started texting someone oh. while I was answering him. And it was just like, you know, maybe someone could excuse that behavior as like, oh God, he had something going on. And I was like, to me, all, I learned everything I needed to know about that person in that very moment because this is a person that will prioritize. I'm going to be fighting for his attention 
uh, from his work, like yeah. our entire relationship. It's going to be his work versus me. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm out. That's all I needed. That's all I needed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you're able to like, like parcel out the piece of information that you have and then be like, I'm going to move on. Yeah. And it's so interesting. Um, there's a guy that I've been talking to. I've, I guess we've been chatting for about four weeks now. I, I like him a lot. And I think we have really good chemistry. I, we haven't met in person. He lives in L.A. So um, anyways, we had a video chat the other day. And it was a little bit of the monopolizing the conversation, but I noticed the same thing. Like I started talking, and then he started texting, and so I just <gasps> on stopped. a on a face call. On yeah, we were we were chatting on Zoom, and so I stopped talking. <sighs> he was texting, and, mm. and I stopped. And I you're looked brave, at him. You're smarter than I am. I was such a pussy about it. I was like, I just um kind of uh did this. Yeah. Uh, and I should have actually just been ballsier about it and, and been like, no, when you're done, it's fine. You know? Yeah. Oh, that's such a good line. That's what I should have said. And I thought about like, and so I stopped and then I started, he started texting again. So I stopped again and I was like, I just looked and I kind of like made a face of like, what's going on? And he picked up on it. But if, if it does ever happen again, like, because He's shown other signs of being very empathetic and very like emotionally intelligent. I think he would handle it well. But you're willing you're willing to like give this a pass. Yeah. And just to kind of see how he handles it. But but that's because there are a lot of other really good things in place. If it ever happens again, though, like I will say something. And then if something even tiny, small happens again, it's like, okay, we're done. I think so too. I, I think there's a lot of women that get like, give me, I don't know if you receive this too. I get a lot of criticism for being, um, for having my standards too high, whatever that freaking means of like, well, maybe he had a bad day or maybe, maybe you need to actually communicate that you didn't like that or something. And I was like, I don't know. I find women to be highly intuitive creatures yeah. and maybe I'm overanalyzing this. But like I said, to me, what that showed me was like, this person is very involved in, with their work. And if you can't give me two hours of your attention on a Sunday night without talking over talking about work and taking a, a work phone call then all I see is a downhill slope of mm -hmm. where this is gonna go like times totally. 20 you know what I mean that's what I think and I think trust your intuition too like not just like don't ask your brain what it thinks because we have been conditioned to give the benefit of the doubt that's what women are supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Play small, be nice, don't stand up for yourself. You don't want to be bossy. You don't want to be bitchy. Okay, so stop, ask your body, like sink into yourself and check the gut feeling. And sometimes like it's a gut feeling. Sometimes it's a heart feeling. Sometimes it's a throat feeling. Everybody experiences it a little bit differently. For me, I get a little bit of a shiver and a little bit of like a like a slimy feeling. This is so weird. Like, but just explaining how my intuition speaks to me is like a little bit of a slimy feeling and just like a wall comes up. That's how I know that it's a no for me. The boundaries have been crossed and mm. I'm not interested in rebuilding that trust versus when I turn off my brain and just check in with myself. If my heart is a little bit more open then I can kind of navigate it out and and know that it's my responsibility to speak up and to have a conversation like, 
hey, when I'm talking, you're texting, I find that disrespectful. Is this something that you do frequently? Is there an emergency? Because if not, something you need to know about me is I don't stand for that. And if that's something that happens again, this is not going to work out. It's my responsibility to say that and see how he handles it. You're right. You're right. And I got I got schooled a little bit. Someone was like, why didn't you actually just like say I don't. Yeah. And you're like, I was like, you're right. You're right. I'm uh, I've been socialized to be polite with people that I don't know yet. And I wish that my inner strong woman had spoken up and been like, you know what? And said exactly what you just said. It was priceless. Um, yeah, be polite I, to yourself. I didn't. I know. I, I don't know how else to explain it as to like, except that in the moment I was thinking, um, I'm already out, so I'm just going to ride this. And like, I don't need to like ruffle any feathers because I'm already, I'm already done. Like, I don't need to, but I, I, I should have stood up for myself and, and said it literally the words you just said. I wish <laughs> I had. I wish I had. Record it. Memorize it. Program <laughs> it in so play that it on next dates. time it happens. It'll just come out of your mouth and you'll be like, whoa, who was that? <laughs> no, I'm going to have a, like, a little sound <laughs> clip on my phone. I'm be like, hey, can I play something for you right now? I literally <laughs> be like, who's that woman? <laughs> I'll be like, she's my inner goddess. Yes. No. <laughs> um, I'm so curious what, uh, like, your, what are the differences or similarities between, I'm assuming you're app dating. So, like, dating on apps in Colorado Springs versus dating. <laughs> dating on apps in Shanghai. Mm, yeah. So Bumble wasn't really a thing in Shanghai. Like guys would use it to trick women into thinking that they wanted a relationship when they really just wanted to play. Um, I didn't really use Bumble over there. And to be totally honest, I don't like Bumble simply because um, I don't like making the first move. And Mm. in my experience, I know other women have had different experiences, but when I make the first move, the guy usually like doesn't carry the conversation. And so I've found it difficult in my experience because I have a very strong personality. Like it like I, I get super excited about things. And so like I'm excited about everything all the time. But sometimes online that comes across as like, oh, she's really interested. I can chill and take the back seat. I know it doesn't work mm. that way for everybody. But in Shanghai, people only used Tinder and people use Tinder for relationships, for hookups, for threesomes. Um, I had people on there sometimes like I saw descriptions of like, I'm interested in voyeurism. If that's something you're into, like, let's meet up like like I'm a BDSM dumb, like looking for a submissive and like things like that. I haven't gone on to Tinder in the U.S., so I don't know if that's a thing here or not. But um, I I actually use Mutual app mainly because that is an LDS dating app. And I I was kind of never heard of it. before. Yeah, I'm kind of like a flexi Mormon. Yeah, it's called Mutual. And so I really want somebody that has um, kind of that religious background from me, not necessarily super active, but I find myself connecting more with people on that app. Although they don't live in Colorado usually, but it's fine. I was just thinking like the range of your experiences from people being like very overtly sex positive in Shanghai to like being on this 
I like I like Mormon Flex <laughs> app, which, as we just talked about, could potentially be a little more constructive in terms of gender roles. Like your experience in dating, like you've hit the entire edges of the pool. And I think that's really fascinating. Yeah, I guess that's true, huh? You're just you're just a international woman with very expansive tastes. And that just makes you even more fabulous. Oh, well, thank you. You're I've, very welcome. <laughs> I've explored the corners. I've found yeah. my boundaries and like learned where it's like, you know what? Nah, that's not for me. Um, yeah. I think when we connected, uh, one of the things you said you wanted to talk about was trying to date again post-divorce, which mm. is not something we cover a lot on the podcast, just simply because I don't have a ton of guests that have been, for better or for worse, that have been divorced. I'm, I know there's a large population of people that are being divorced, but either they um, are, 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 I don't know, like not actively dating mm -hmm. or they're not as uh, as vocal about it as um, I think sort of my community and, and my listeners are. So I don't know. I was just, I wanted to sort of open up the conversation to you about your experience, what's been difficult, what's been illuminating hmm. where you're at in that, that journey. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really found that it's affected me in terms of like, when I say I'm divorced, usually like the reaction is kind of like, either like oh okay I had one like some guys are like I'm so sorry for you and I'm like actually no it was the best decision I have ever made um that's an so interesting think, response do they like assume that it wasn't your choice that it was your husband's response? yeah or just like oh my mm. gosh like mm. that's such a terrible thing to go through and I'm like are you kidding me like it's transformative I know it's not for everybody but coming out on the other side of that it's like I am a fucking communication expert like I know how to communicate in a relationship I know how to you know understand when things are kind of off and nip it in the bud I know how to work like mm. my ex was from Mexico and so that intercultural relationship as well like I am so how do I say this? I'm so confident that in my next relationship, I'm going to be able to make it a success that like it doesn't even phase me. It's like if that bothers the person that I've been divorced or that I'm not a virgin or whatever, it's like, OK, you're not my person. Have a nice yeah. day. Yeah. Um, that being said, there certainly was and still is some baggage from that last relationship. My ex, he's a great guy. I smack talk him on my podcast at times, but all things being considered, like, he's a pretty decent person. Um, so I consider myself fortunate to still have an amicable divorce. Like, we don't talk. We're not really friends or anything. But um, kind of from that standpoint is, like, me just being able to work through my baggage and my trauma, but having it be always something that it's like I never look back and question if that was the right decision I totally have my back on that. So if they have a problem with it, I don't really care. You know, I that's I mean, all you can do is lead by your own, as we said earlier, value system and your own intuition. And, uh, you know, it's it's as you said also earlier, it's none of their it's none of their fucking business. You know, like mm -hmm. you went through a relationship. It ended 
they don't need to know the reasons why, whether you instigated it or your ex-husband instigated it. It's part of your past. I really just feel like anytime you meet someone with the intention to start a new relationship, your past is irrelevant. Like it, it made me who I am, but all you need to know is you're meeting me starting now going forward. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's interesting to me that people need to comment on whether, you know, I don't know if we need to, if this is just sort of part of our culture that we need to dismantle this like idea that divorced people are damaged. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Assuming that there was because we know how traumatic divorce is, we've seen like we've seen the movies, we've heard the stories. Make it work. That too. So, either you're so broken, you like had to ruin a marriage, or you came out of it and you you were fighting with your ex for four years and it was traumatic and painful. I don't know. Yeah, or or just like somehow that you're not good at relationships in some way, like. Like, that's a red flag in their past. It's almost like once a cheater, always a cheater. Once a divorcee, always Mm. a divorcee. I do Mm -hmm. pick up on that sometimes. But again, not my problem. If you're not mature enough to handle that, then okay, you're not my person. Right, right. (laughs) How, um, like, was it difficult for you to get to a place where you were like, I'm ready to start doing this again like what was the transition like for you yeah so for me it's a little bit it's a little bit complicated it I knew two years into the marriage that it was going to end like intuitively I knew but brain wise I was like I like we can make this work we can make this work and I tried so many times and was broken so many times and like the final straw it was just like at some point I was like, you know what? I'm I'm complete. This chapter has been complete. And so when I moved to China, I had already kind of been processing everything for a while. So I moved to China and then was totally sucked into the transition of moving internationally into into a country that is as different from America as is like black to white. Yeah. Totally different. So for the first year, I was kind of just like numb and completely unaware of how much trauma I was carrying from that relationship. And I didn't really start to notice it until I started dating again. Also, I forgot what your question was. Um, <laughs> so. yeah, I mean, you were answering it. <laughs> I feel like I'm just always going on tangents. So, yeah. No, just talking about because I've never been divorced and because I've never been married, I'm just um, curious about what the emotional and psychological Mm. journey it is to leave that behind you and to get to a place where you're ready to start a new relationship. Yeah. I mean, I, to be honest, like I started dating and it was like, I wasn't ready, but I knew that I wasn't going to be ready until I started if that makes sense it was like I'm just gonna focus on getting to know people and making friends learning what I like and what I don't like and like I was very deeply wounded and so I wasn't really in a place for a relationship when I went out and started dating but still I was like you know what we can be brave and you know kind of try this out and try different things and so From that standpoint, I think in the beginning, I really used the dates and the experiences as a way to notice 
where I was still carrying baggage and what parts needed to be healed. Different things that people would say or when I did like have the the boyfriend that I had, it was like where the wounds were is like if he wouldn't clean up his dishes. That triggered me like nobody's business. And so I was like, okay, this is interesting. Let's work on that a little bit. Um, Because that was just a thing from the old relationship is I didn't feel that the labor was shared. And so Mm. kind of just being really patient with myself and using the experiences for me to A, learn how to give people a chance and be who they are without carrying in past baggage. And also, yeah, just using that as a chance to get to know myself a little bit better and to love myself and really love on those parts that were still wounded because I wasn't I wasn't really able to see that. I didn't actually get angry at him, at my ex, for about a year and a half um, for all of the things that he did. I kind of had taken all of that um, narcissistic and gaslighting onto myself um, and really put it on myself. So it was really a breakthrough when I started like getting angry at people that I was dating. Um, it's like the first stage of grief, I think. So. Yeah. That's really intense. I I was while you were talking, I was thinking, you know, I, I haven't like I said, I haven't been married and I haven't been divorced. But anyone who listens to the podcast is um, knows that I was in a five and a half year relationship, which is mm-hmm. as long as your marriage, it might yep. as well have been a marriage. It was a very, very serious relationship in my 20s. And I'm so thankful that dating apps were not around during my breakup, because I I think what I'm hearing is happening with people is that that uncomfortable void when you're done with a relationship where you almost don't really know quite what to do with your time yet. Mm-hmm. You know, you're used to sharing your life with another person and all of a sudden you're alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's an easy fill to go on the dating apps just to quote unquote, see what's out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instant gratification. Yeah. And you're telling yourself that you're healing that way because you're looking for new people. But all you're doing is actually ignoring the real healing that you have to do with yourself. You're just sort of transferring the uh, uncomfortable emotions onto an activity, onto something that can distract you. And I'm I mean, I always say it's it's so ridiculous. But I mean, I cried. (laughs) I cried at night for two years. Like my Mm -hmm. grieving process for that relationship was so long it was so long and I could not date anybody in that time period I couldn't even think about it so I'm really grateful that I didn't have a phone (laughs) in the bed next to me because I think I would have done some really not smart things that wouldn't have allowed me to heal properly you know you just got to sit with your discomfort and be like yo it's you and me baby we got to figure this out it's our life I got to yeah. the point, <laughs> this is ridiculous, but I, I got to the point where I would just straight up talk to myself like I was two people. So instead of I checking in with your, so much. with your ex when you would be like, well, what do you want to watch? Or like, what do you want to eat for dinner? I would just basically have that same instinct towards myself. So I would... I would just you were say dating yourself. I, dated I love that. I did. I did. I'm I'm curious and you don't know and I'm just it's just a curiosity whether being in another country helped you process that faster or you know it's just so interesting to me that you were so brave enough to move your life all the way across the world. Um so you're dealing with with transitioning your life but also transitioning your life if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think there's probably some some interesting parallel that I'm not able to draw 
But all I can acknowledge is like, I think you were super brave and I think it is a really cool story. Yeah. I mean, I also think it's a cool story in terms of whether it was brave or not. I don't know. Um, what I do know though, is that it was exactly what I needed. Yeah. I was not able at that time to feel my feelings. I was so numb from just years of trying to make it work and bending over backwards to make sacrifices to make this marriage work. I had such a small idea of who I was at that time. I don't know if you've watched like Grey's Anatomy or not, but there's this scene where Christina Yang is talking about Burke and she's like, I gave away pieces of myself and chipped away and chipped away and chipped away until like there was nothing left there. And I totally resonate with that. So like for me being in this country, paradoxically, where I didn't know anybody I didn't know the city. I couldn't read the signs. I could go out and do whatever I wanted and nobody would care. Gave me a chance to really get in touch with myself and ground into myself. Very similar, actually, to what you did where you would talk to yourself and yeah. like date yourself. It was like, who do I want to be? How do I want to live my life? And I learned that by doing things that I didn't want to do. Like, like figuring out that I didn't want to do them by doing them and be like, oh, okay, well, that was yucky. Let's not do that again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's exactly what I needed because I wasn't able to feel my feelings at the time. I needed that almost as like, like that year of a buffer to just kind of learn how to process my emotions and be with myself and deal with my own stuff. And then when I started to come out of it, that's when I really started to like cry and feel terrible and like learn how to do things in, in more of a healthy way. Um, but I wasn't able to do that when I first moved. And I think that if I would have stayed, I would have leaned on other people and other crutches in a way that that for me would yeah. not have been useful. Yeah, totally. Were you friends with Andrew at the time? No. So you guys met in your like your post China post divorce life. Yes, in my post China, <laughs> I went to Africa and he was there and he saved me from a hippo. I still am not sure if that's a real story. <laughs> Andrew, come back and tell me if that's a true story. <laughs> no, it's a falsehood. Ah! Andrew, <laughs> but it's a good one though. Which it is a good one. I, did, in her did you defense, save her life in, her defense, in any way. Um, maybe metaphorically, but in her oh. defense, I did. I did tell her to tell you that, and then I threw under. <laughs> I threw her under the bus promptly. We did meet on a bumble date, yeah. and you became friends. That's that's an incredible win. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're I becoming so. friends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in process. Okay. In process. I'll take it. I'll take As it. we say in Chinese. Woman Zheng Zai Zuo Peng Yo. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what they say in Chinese. Please please translate for us. Zai <laughs> means we're in the process of Zuo Peng Yo is making friends, becoming friends. Oh. I'm I'm just like, are you fluent in Chinese? Chabudo. No, not even close actually. Um survival. Your, your accent sounds incredible to me, so my accent is great, my vocabulary not so much. 
I listen. That looks like one of the hardest languages to learn. So it is, yeah. I, just it's, the fact that you can it's a say a, a phrase <laughs> with grace. Well, I, I lived there for three years. I should be able to say something, right? You would, you would think. I still don't understand the full English language, and I've lived here my entire life. <laughs> Andrew, first yes. of all, let me let me give you the floor. Is there anything that you're burning to share with us or to respond to? Oh yes. Oh my gosh, yes. Oh, so get in there. Um, I just think it's you know it's not just guys who are like getting on their phones during dates and whatnot. I, I did have a fairly unique experience once. I was going on a date with a girl in Denver, and we had met up like at a coffee shop, I think it was, and about halfway through the date. Just kind of out of, and it was going decently. I don't think either one of us was too interested, but it was still pretty funny because in the middle of the date, she got out her laptop, an actual <laughs> laptop, and then began finalizing her fantasy football brackets. What? No. And I was just kind of sitting there, kind of looking at her. I mean, I just, I don't care. I've been on so many dates at this point. It's just whatever. So I just kind of sat there. I was like, well, this is interesting. <laughs> Did she at least, like, invite you to join? Was it, like, a group um, activity? No, I think she was, like, instant messaging through the laptop with some of her friends about, like, Jeez. which, which I don't know, football That's players. That's phenomenal. I know, I know. I just kind of just kind of sat there. I'm, I'm easily contented, so I just kind of look, looked around. I, I have heard that story that, like, of people being rude on their phones, like, from both ends of it. Oh, so yeah. I definitely don't, I don't ascribe it to, like, masculine behavior because my male friends have also told me some terrible stories about women getting on their phones phones and like it's bad etiquette all around it's just um, rude don't do it if your date it. is so terrible that you need to check your phone grow a pair and say hey you seem like a lovely person or if they're not don't say that oh yeah but this That's isn't true. me i'm not feeling it i'm gonna i'm gonna go it's also just like this is what bothers me is like it's bad dinner etiquette like i would never do that to my friends i would never yeah. do that on an interview i wouldn't do that on a coffee date with someone i was looking to collaborate with like it's just bad etiquette period full stop you know yeah. like that's what that's what pisses me off about it because it's bad manners yeah. but before we get off on all of us getting <laughs> ah, america let's <laughs> let's go back to you andrew what else what else were you vibing with what else did you want to comment on oh yeah rachel said we we actually have kind of a similar background where i also got married really young i guess i got married when i was 22 we met when i was 20 i'm from mississippi and so it wasn't mormon young but it was mississippi young and we met when I was 18. We dated for a few years, got married at 20 and 22. I was 22. And then it was hellacious. We shouldn't have gotten married. We got married for the wrong reasons. And then we were married for five years and, and then got divorced. And then I also picked up and moved my life. I actually moved to Salt Lake City, Utah, mm. which is the center of Mormondom. Uh, which is kind of interesting. Another interesting corollary crossover no, there. No total shift culturally. Absolutely, uh, yeah. I buy that. Well, some, somewhat, some, some of it's very similar. Mississippi is the buckle of the Bible Belt, and I did grow up very conservative Christian, and there's actually a lot of similarities between Mormon culture and kind of conservative Southern Baptist culture, uh, if you will. So yeah, so I, everything she's saying was like spot on. I mean, divorce. It's 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 an ugly affair. It's it's wounding. It's trauma. But sometimes it is the right course of action um, for you and the other person. And then yeah, you, you have to go through the work of processing. I did therapy. I, like she said, I I don't regret my divorce. Um, I guess I regret that it that it had to happen, perhaps, or that I don't regret the the positive outcomes of it. I I was just telling somebody the other day, I'm pretty stubborn. 
And it almost takes something so traumatic and mm -hmm. earth shattering to get my attention because otherwise I just keep kind of plodding along. So that divorce was the catalyst that brought me kind of to my to my knees. Uh, and that was then my opportunity to say, you know what, I need help. I need therapy. I need group therapy. I need men's groups. And I and honestly, I think everyone can benefit from all of those things. Um, but that that was the catalyst that has made me, as people say, you know, who I am today and uh, pretty happy with who I am today. Did you yeah. feel like you were also using dating in transition to discover what you wanted and your value system, sort of the way that Rachel was doing it? Uh, no, it was just, we do have some uh, differences in our story. I mean, when I moved to Utah, I was legally still married, even though we were separated and headed towards divorce. But it was really important to me. I, I talked to my dad at the time and he's like, you know, I, I don't want to go there to Utah. I don't know anyone. No one knows me. I could do or say or be whoever I wanted, reinvent myself. Yeah. Um, no one had to know I was married, you know, but it, it was important to me that, and what he said was, uh, you have to, to do everything so that you don't, you don't have regret. You, you, you mitigate as much of the regret and the feelings of guilt as you can. And so I, I had left an open door to my now ex-wife and it was just like, well, I mean, this is what you want, but uh, we have to wait the mandatory, you know, whatever, 60, 90 days in the state of Mississippi. And if you change your mind, you let me know. Um, and she didn't, but I was then able to walk away with less, with less regret and less guilt, knowing I'd done everything I could have on my part. Mm -hmm. Um, so no, I, I didn't date anyone. I moved to Utah. I was single, uh, while well, I was married, but, um, I didn't date anyone for, I don't know, six or seven, eight months just because I thought that was right. And so the divorce was finalized. Um, and at that point I did, uh, I felt as if I had done a lot of the work. I'd already done therapy for about a year and a half, a lot of men's support groups. And I did feel ready at that point, um, to try and ask some girls on dates, but it was, <laughs> it was kind of funny because uh, I grew up homeschooled, very conservative Christian. And we were taught that you, uh, you know, you don't date unless it's the person you're going to marry. You only can date the person you're going to marry. So weird. It, well, it's yeah. There was a book that came out a long time ago called I Kissed Dating Goodbye. And it really made the rounds in the conservative Christian circles. And it was this idea of like courtship. And you don't just go out on dates willy nilly. You're just giving away pieces of yourself. Yeah, I've it's, heard that theory too. Yeah, it's funny because the author eventually came back and denounced his work and apologized. He even Whoa. made a yeah, he even made a, a documentary. I think it's on Netflix about how he was sorry, and then he kind of refuted. He went through refuting different things he had said in the book, but it's still a pretty common story that uh, very conservative Christian people don't date until they're sure they're the one. Um, but how would you? figure that out. <laughs> well, this, this is like the weirdest catch. I, I know it's ridiculous. I'm um, also like very viscerally <laughs> annoyed and upset about the idea. This is very much from like a patriarchal system that you somehow quote unquote give your give pieces of yourself away, thus therefore devaluing yourself yeah. by meeting other people. Like that's very much like a hit against like 
the way that women are shamed for sleeping with other people, like the way that they're told that they they lessen themselves as a whole, the more people they sleep with. So that yeah. whole aspect of like you losing pieces of yourself, which doesn't actually make any sense, really upsets me. And it, it may have roots in the patriarchy, but it's certainly not gender specific. Here in Colorado Springs, it's also pretty con Christian conservative. And there's a buddy of mine who he's, you know, like in his, his 40s, he's still a virgin, which is incredible. And that's like a, a Willy Wonka gold ticket, you know, for any really religious woman is, oh, you know, here's this guy, he's 40 something, saving sex for marriage. And he met a girl about a year ago and they went on some dates and it was going super well. And uh, at some point, I, I just, I guess in regular conversation, he was just talking about some other, I don't know, past dating relationships. Again, never had sex, not, not, nothing even close to sex. But he just was telling this girl about some past dating experiences and that was enough. And she ended things with him. And the reason was, oh, you know, you've, you've been on all these dates with all these, these other girls. And again, just, just dates. And oh my gosh, <laughs> I know it's she thought like he was too used, yeah, He'd yeah, been around the market, exactly. The honest. village bicycle. I think that when that does happen, it's because the person on the receiving end hasn't had the same experiences. So if she had gone on a similar number of dates. It wouldn't have been a problem usually. And I think that it's like a very similar thing is like sometimes I talk to guys that haven't been married. I can tell they've never had sex. I say something like about how my butt looked really good or something. And they like, <gasps> I'm getting hard or something. It's wow. like something like that that I'm just like okay like loosen up a little bit like we need to normalize <laughs> sex a lot more not have it be something that is so taboo like sacred yes but viscerally like oh my gosh i'm damaged by saying the word like come on i you guys i just want to like create a doc web series where i just go and like jeanette from new york city comes in with her straightforwardness and her opinions about sex and feminism <laughs> and like just just rolls out the dating oh my gosh selection film it in utah that would be uh, so yes, good uh, they would i would horrify people they you would be would. like what kind of crazy damaged delusional <laughs> alien woman <laughs> i mean i would i would horrify them i horrify men in new york so <laughs> um big question for you guys that I'm personally curious about. There's, I'm just interested to hear your, your thoughts on this, but I, again, approaching this with curiosity, I, obviously no one wants to get divorced. It is a really, as we said, traumatic experience and uh, very challenging for both. But the two of you have these wonderful stories where you went through this process and came out on the other end. It sounds like almost stronger and better. Do you think you would be the same person you are right now if you had not been divorced? The answer is absolutely not. My beliefs about money, about being taken care of, about standing up for myself, about being a working woman, about children and raising and co-parenting, 
about my firmness and my faith and my spirituality, none of those things would have been possible had I not come up against a man that didn't do those things in the way that deep down I felt I desired. Mm. So no, like I would not trade that for anything. Yeah, there's a lot of baggage. But if anything, I'm learning the skill of working through trauma, which makes me a better friend, makes me a better coach, makes me a more empathetic human in general. And that skill, it, it's it's invaluable. Mm. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Andrew, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think like I was saying earlier, I, just for me personally, I certainly don't recommend people like seek out getting married and then divorce so they can yeah. have this, you know, this life changing, <laughs> no, totally. you know, Phoenix from the ashes experience. Um, if you can get it from a book, you should definitely, <laughs> right, right, definitely or, or a podcast or a podcast, <laughs> um, definitely go that route. But I just knowing myself, uh, I like I was like I was saying, I mean, I just. I'm so stubborn and I'm so set. I can be so set in my ways and so clueless and unaware that I'm not those things anymore, but I was those things at the time. And I think it, I think it was almost necessary for me to make the changes and to do the work that needed to be done. Even, even like work that had to be done for my childhood, I probably never would have done. Um, Mm. unless this kind of pushed me to the edge of myself, this whole being married and then getting divorced. That's wild. It's a it's a twisted concept. I'm with you. Like totally. I'm, like I'm so glad you guys have gotten to the place where you are. Um, and of course, we don't want to wish tough experiences on people <laughs> in order to become better people. But I I find that a really fascinating process of life. But either way, I'm glad you guys found each other and your your friends through mysterious reasons and mysterious <laughs> ways, mm. which are still not known to us. You went to, on a trip to Antarctica together and you mm-hmm. both fell through the ice. Yes. And only one of you emerged unscathed. Um, <laughs> no, I'm making new stories for you for the oh, next time you're on a one. podcast. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> um, but I'm so glad you responded to my post, Rachel. And, and thank you so much for, for continuing to stay in touch with me and for bringing Andrew. I'm, I'm really honored to have both of you here with me. So thank you so much for, for joining me today. This has been so fun. An absolute pleasure. <laughs> it's so weird to like get on the internet and talk with a stranger in another state whose face you can't see, right? You are so cool. Like, come to Colorado, let's be friends. But I would love, you know, I was in Colorado actually a couple of years ago making a film and it is stunning. Mm-hmm. Stunning, mm-hmm. stunning state. Mm-hmm. I mean, my heart was so full when I was there. So I understand your love of nature, Andrew, and I, I can see how you both can be very full out there. Maybe someday we'll do take the podcast on the road. Oh, I'll come reunite with all my guests. <sighs> um, until that time, thank you guys once more for being here. Uh, thank you all uh, for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, if you have a friend who has been through divorce, either it went well or it went badly, and think that they might. Uh, have something that resonates with Rachel and Andrew's story, please think about sharing with them. As always, please like, follow, subscribe, whatever uh, platform you're listening on right now. And if you want to join us over on the IG, we are over at hashtag single pod. We would love to converse with you over there. Mm. Until next time, we will catch you later.